USA Freedom and VFLW veteran Katie Klatt discusses her recovery from the COVID-19 disease and how she is helping emergency planning efforts in Boston. Plus, Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles on growing up in Oahu and playing Aussie rules against the backdrop of Diamond Head. All of that is coming up next. Holy crap, we're in double digits. This is episode 10 of the Marks and Stripes USAFL podcast. G'day everyone, I'm Brian Barish and it's great to have you along for another episode of the Marks and Stripes USAFL podcast, the official podcast of the United States Australian Football League. We have a wonderful, amazing show for you this week. We are talking with Katie Klatt, a former member of the USA Freedom, last of the San Francisco Iron Maidens, former member of the Sacramento Lady Suns, and also a member of the, a former member of the Melbourne University Muggers in VFLW. She is currently in Boston where she had moved to go to graduate school, uh, but she has now found herself working for Boston EMS while doing emergency planning. Uh, She also contracted the COVID-19 disease back in March. She is fully recovered and she will tell her story of her recovery as well as all the work that she's doing there, uh, as well as what she misses and doesn't miss about being in Australia. We'll also be talking with Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles, one of the USAFL's newer clubs. Uh, Tori is a native of Mililani in the island of Oahu, not terribly far from where Honolulu is, and uh, he'll tell us about what it's like playing every week and practicing at the world-famous Diamond Head Beach and what happened when he unexpectedly found himself on the same team as AFL superstar Sam Mitchell. So some great stories up ahead for you. Now, last week, we mentioned that the USAFL executive board was in the process of putting together a resumption to play plan as we continue on with the 2020 season. A number of other organizations of Australian rules football around the world have started to come back with their plans. And presidents of clubs here in the USA have been uh, involved as well as the board in coming up with a return to play plan. Keep an eye out on our website, usafl.com, as well as our social media outlets as that plan is formulated and announced to the league in the coming days, hopefully uh, sometime in the next week or so. Uh, We're all itching to get back to play and get back to practicing, and so, but we also want to do that safely, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, on the heels of the very successful first USAFL player webinar, a second one has been scheduled, and that will be held this coming Tuesday, June the 2nd, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, Some of the topics there are defensive structures with the head coach of the Baltimore Dockers, Tom Waters, and about how to start a junior footy program. Here come the Grizzly Cubs with Joel Robottom and Helen Marion of the Seattle Grizzlies. There will also be an AFL 2020 season update with Dave Bryant, who is the vice president of the Central Region, and that will be followed up by a Q&A. You can find out how to uh, register for that particular webinar on usafl.com. There's a link right there within the news stories. It'll say USAFL webinar series. You can also go back and check out the other webinars that have been completed, including the Ray Chamberlain one, the USAFL player webinar, as well as the women's coaching webinar that was hosted by AFLW coach Paul Hood. And it's worth mentioning that to view that last one, you must be signed in as a USAFL member in order to access that last one. We mentioned the AFL 2020 season. We'll go through uh, just a quick look at the schedule in just a little bit at our halftime, so to speak, in between interviews. What we will say before we get into that a little bit later is we have received numerous inquiries and requests regarding the accessibility of the games on Fox Sports 1, on Fox Sports 2, and on Fox Soccer Plus. Uh, With the season about two Uh, two weeks away, we have not received any word from the AFL or any of the TV stations. However, we are keeping our ears open. What I will say, however, is that if you want to see all of the games, as you have in previous years, 
you can subscribe to Watch AFL Global. There is a link on our website. In fact, it's a big banner up at the top, and there might also be a link down in the news stories as well, uh, where you can sign in and subscribe, either uh, weekly, monthly, or you can do an entire year and catch a every minute of the 2020 AFL Premiership season. And a reminder that a portion of the proceeds from each subscription that you get through our website comes back to help the USAFL grow the game of Australian rules football here in the USA. So keep an eye out for that. Keep your ears open on, again, on USAFL.com and also on our social media outlets. And I should probably mention them because I haven't mentioned them yet. Remember, Facebook.com slash USAFL and on Twitter and Instagram at USAFL1997. That's it for old business. Let's get the new business. Two great interviews, as we mentioned. We'll be talking with Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles a little bit later on. But first, our conversation conversation with USA Freedom and frontline hero Katie Klatt. Since the COVID-19 pandemic began a couple of months ago, one of the things that we've been doing on our website and on our socials is highlighting some of the folks who are on the front lines of this of this crisis, who are uh, taking care of people, ensuring people's safety, and also, uh, in some cases, planning for uh, the folks that are coming in sick to the different healthcare facilities across the country. One of the folks who are doing that is a USAFL veteran. She played for the Sacramento Sun and the San Francisco Iron Maidens and also came back not too recently from uh, a stint in Australia playing for the Melbourne University Muggers. It's Katie Klatt and she joins us on the Marks and Stripes USFL podcast. Good day, Katie. How's it going? Hey, Brian. I'm good. Good. Glad, glad to hear you and glad to hear that you're doing well. Before we get into the work that you are doing, um, uh, we, I, I and I know you want to tell the story as well. Um, there is, uh, I guess, a, uh, a certain conception about this uh, disease that uh, only certain people can contract it uh, of certain uh, age groups and demographic groups. But uh, you are uh, have recovered, actually, from the COVID-19 uh, disease. Can you just for a, a minute or two, just a- explain that just what you went through and, and your road to recovery? Yeah, sure. So um, I had it in, I'd say, early to mid-March um, before it was really a thing. <laughs> Um, I, I probably got it before everything had closed down, um, and I I got really sick with it. I had a fever of um, 103, 104 for 10 days straight, um, and I at first I didn't have a thermometer, and there were none in the stores, so I thought, like, maybe I'm just imagining this, like, COVID's going around, and I'm just, like, freaking out about nothing, but turns out I had it. Um, and I ended up, one day I was sick enough that I had to go to the emergency room, but I, I didn't know how to get there because I'm in Boston right now and I don't have a car and my only mode of transportation is a bike. So, um, and I was too tired to bike. So I ended up walking half an hour to the ER um, to be seen because at that point, like no one really knew, COVID was still pretty new. And so no one really knew what to do with me. So I had to go. They all kind of just told me to come in. So um, and that's where I got tested and turned out I was positive. But I mean, but once I started recovering, you know, I didn't have to get admitted to the hospital. Once I was recovering, I sort of went back to normal. And, um, you know, I, after it was done, I lost, I, I had lost a bunch of weight during that time. Cause I, I mean, I'd have had a fever that long. Um, and I was trying to get back into running and working out and stuff. And that was exhausting. Um, which uh, I have a new appreciation for. Well, I still hate running, but um, <laughs> trying to get back into it, it was horrible, but now I feel it's starting to come back finally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of wasn't that worried about getting it, and looking back, I probably should have been <laughs> because I I got really sick, and it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse, I know, but, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just thankful now that it all was, as, you know, went okay. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we're hearing on different media outlets and whatnot is that there is, in some cases, long-lasting uh, effects of this with respiratory issues and whatnot. Are you are you still feeling any of that, or do you feel that that's that that you're almost at the very least back to normal? No, I feel pretty back to normal now. My energy came back. Um, I mean, my fitness 
was like destroyed, but it's coming back. Like I feel that sort of back to normal. Um, I do in Massachusetts. It's a rule you have to when you're outside. You have to wear a mask when you run and stuff. I don't think it's like that in every state. And I still sound like I have respiratory problems when I try and run with a mask because people hear me coming from like a mile away. I'm trying to breathe through a mask. Um, but I, other than wearing a mask, um, I feel like totally back to normal, um, which I'm thankful for. Right. Now, the reason you're in Boston, I mentioned that you were previously on the West Coast, is uh, you are uh, you were continuing your education, but uh, more recently you were working uh, with Boston EMS. Can you talk about what you're doing and, and what you're doing there on the front lines there? Yeah, sure. So um, basically I'm trying to combine my, my nursing experience with, um, you know, I'm doing my master's in public health. So I'm kind of trying to combine the two by um, I'm working on their um, COVID infection control team. So basically I'm acting as a nurse to the EMTs who are, um, you know, going out and, you know, running all these calls and transports every day. Um, so it's sort of a bit of like risk management and PPE management and, um, you know, help when if people are sick. Um, and then I'm, because of my MPH stuff, I'm getting to also get some experience in, you know, writing protocols and implementing new um, systems and things like that. So I I sort of had a, a little hand in everything and gotten to learn a lot about this process and, you know, emergency management, which is a field that I'm interested in going forward. Um, so I, I it's been busy and every day is different and all sorts of things come up that I would have never expected. But everyone at Boston EMS is truly amazing. And, I, like, I mean, there are people who – you know, I'm working for, for, you know, to help these EMTs, but these guys, they, they go out and, and literally just, they take whatever comes at them. And, and I just am happy to be able to sort of support the people who are really going out there and potentially getting exposed like multiple times a day. Um, so it's been a really cool experience to learn from. And yeah, I'm, I, it's been busy. I mean, I was, I picked up the job as soon as I recovered from, COVID, like as soon as I was cleared by the, the city to leave my house, I started my job and I was in school at the same time. So I have a newfound appreciation for people who uh, work while they're in school. Um, that is hard. Uh, <laughs> it's the summer now, so I'm good, but that is hard. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that. I know that was overwhelming when I was in school as well. Um, we talked to Erica Saki, who is, of course is a friend of yours and a, and a teammate of yours. Um, it, not uh, about how things were uh, here in Philadelphia. And she said that, that it was steady, but that her he, she and her team seemed to be handling it. Do you find it about the same? Is it, have you felt overwhelmed at some point or is that, or have you and your team found it to be very manageable? Well, I think what happened was they, they had to sort of slowly add to our, or not slowly, quickly add to our team because at first it was, it was only like one person, but it just became, I mean, Boston has had a, a pretty high number of cases, and so it became a lot very fast. And so as sort of more of us got involved in the infection control team, it has been, it's been a lot but manageable, I think is the good word. And, and you have lulls and you have, you know, these crazy periods, and you kind of just roll with whatever comes at you that day. Um, and we're pretty lucky that, like, everyone's really dedicated and and will – they know when there's a busy day, we just have to – we just have to – do what we can, you know, we, um, and I think everyone's in pretty good spirits about it, which, um, I'm, I think is, is hard to do in this kind in this case, but uh, you'll find, I mean, healthcare workers are resilient people because, you know, we see a lot of crazy things in the world. So, um, it's no different now than, it, than I've seen in other cases. Yeah. I used to work in healthcare IT and I know firsthand that, uh, I know nurses and, uh, uh, doctors are generally, they, they try and, stay positive and they try and stay upbeat and, and on top of whatever it is they're handling. And I know that, um, I know I speak for just about everybody listening that I'm, I'm appreciative of your efforts and everybody else there, uh, in Boston to doing what they can to try and manage this situation. Um, let's, let's change gears now and, and talk about Australian football because that's, <laughs> that's what we do. Um, <laughs> now before this and before your time in San Francisco, you had played in Sacramento and you got the opportunity, uh, through the exchange program to go over and play, uh, for Melbourne university and play for the muggers. And you got to spend, uh, 
two and a half seasons there uh, playing. And I'm interested to get just your overall take on the experience. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, to be honest, not in a bad way, but it, I just, I think it's, you don't really know what's coming until you get there. So I, I mean, I started off, you know, in, in one division, I sort of each season worked my way up to um, VFL. And um, I mean, it was, it was tough. It was a lot of work to, especially like, like I said earlier, I really don't enjoy running. And so being really having to be very accountable for making myself run all the time and meet the times and things that they wanted was hard. Um, you know, the, the weights I enjoyed, I was fine. The footy, the footy was just fun. Um, you know, it's, it's really fun when you, um, when, you know, you, you learn from people who've played their whole life and, and, uh, they really, I mean, you just, just being around that raises your own level because, you know, you're just trying to keep up. And, um, I think just playing, being in that environment with people who, it, you know, it's their, their lifelong sport is, is really fun, but it's, it's a challenge and it's, um, yeah, it was a lot of work. What's the culture like there? Because I know here in the U.S., obviously there's a lot of really great club culture, and I imagine that at Melbourne University it's the same case. But um, it seems like here, obviously, everybody knows everybody. You know the women uh, in New York, and you know the women in, in uh, Minnesota. You know you, there's sort of that cross-team. Is there is there a larger uh, communal type there, or is it uh, sort of limited to the clubs, you think? Uh, no, I think that everyone kind of knows everyone. Um, and I mean, you tend to be obviously hang out with your own club a lot. Um, cause there's like, there's very strong camaraderie among, um, teammates I found. And I, I thought that was strong in the USAFL, but it's, it is very solid in Australia. Um, but you kind of know everyone and, and, you know, you have these sort of like friendly, not so friendly rivalries going between clubs and things. Um, which I think just sort of adds to your own bond with your teammates. Um, but yeah, you kind of get to know everyone and you know, you know the names on the team and you know who you're going to be up against and things. So um, I think that that community, I mean, people grow up with it. So they, you know, their families, I would go and watch my, my friends play and like families who the dads used to play for the team. Now they're, they're watching their, their daughter or their son. And um I think it's pretty cool how the whole community is involved and everyone goes to watch. And um, I think that's something special and something that, I mean, just by the nature of the newness of the USAFL compared to there, it's not the same here. Now, I want to jump back into the to the medical side and the nursing side a bit, because I know you actually worked for a hospital during your time over there. And I'm um, I'm interested to kind of get your experience, your your thoughts on your experience there. Um, Obviously, healthcare is healthcare, But is it um, was it was it different? Was it very much the same? And what what was it like working in in the hospital system over there in Melbourne? Um, I loved it. That was probably my favorite hospital I worked in. I, it's very, the nursing work itself is very similar. Um, what I especially liked about it that was different here is that um, the medical team, the nursing teams, there were people from all over the world, um, whereas in the States, generally you can pretty, you assume that it's an American that you're going to be working with, um, whereas in, in the hospital I worked in, there were people from all over the place, like literally everywhere, and it was really cool to learn how different countries and different healthcare systems do the same thing and you learn new ways to do something that are better than what you knew and um, you kind of all collaborate on that and I, I really like that and it's also it meant I made a lot of friends from all over the place I mean that I've kept even going forward now and I think um, I think that opportunity to learn from each other was I, I hadn't had that in any American hospital I've worked in. Now after you were done there, you uh, came back to the U.S. and uh, landed in San Francisco. How did you end up in the Bay Area? And um, we'll, we'll talk about the Maidens in a second, but how did you end up in the Bay Area in the first place? Uh, well, you know, I've always felt this uh, pull to San Francisco at some point or another. I don't really know why. It's just I just always wanted to live there. And um, I, I had sort of gotten stuck in Sacramento mainly because I loved my friends at the Sun so much. <laughs> and um, so when I had finally came back, it was a chance to, to try somewhere new. And um, 
and I, I got a travel nursing job at UCSF Hospital. So I worked um, as a travel nurse for, for all of last year. Um, so it was just kind of a, it was, it had been for years I'd wanted to be there, but I kind of got derailed by going to Australia. So um, just a chance to turn it out. You're coming on to a team that uh, had won three on the trot uh, in San Francisco. And, and of course you, you won number four. Um, what was it like playing for those guys? I know that you had known the maidens having played for Sacramento, and I'm sure you've gotten to know those women uh, as opponents, but also uh, you're playing with a lot of your old freedom teammates as well. I know Jess Estrada and Bretto as well. Um, what was it like playing for that team, not only on the field, but away from the field as well? Oh, that was a lot of fun. I, I used to, when I lived in SAC, I used to, um, on the off weekends, we didn't have sack footy. I would drive down to San Francisco to play with them. Um, so I had always kind of had a relationship with them even before I, I left. Um, and then when I came back, I mean, yeah, they have, they have such a solid, I, I gotta say like, it's, you know, the GGAFL has such a solid, um, you know, friendship, like camaraderie community sort of thing. Um, and so they were so awesome to just sort of welcome me right into it. Um, and I mean, I was, it was lucky I knew them from before, but it was, and it was really fun getting to play with them. Um, you know, cause they'd all sort of played together. And so once I could sort of get their playing style and get into it, um, it's really fun to be a part of, um, a team that works, that meshes so well together cause they've played together for so long. Um, and it took me a little, you know, a little time to sort of get into it and learn everyone's habits and what they do. Um but they were really awesome to help me like to fold in. Where does playing in a division one grand final at nationals fit in terms of all the stuff that you've done, you've played at the international cup, you played in a parallel cup. You've of course played in Australia. Where does that fit in? And in terms of your accomplishments? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's nothing, uh, there's no comparing that feeling when you win a championship, um, which I hadn't done in any, any other league or team I'd played for. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the just sheer joy of it is this is a whole different thing. <laughs> um, so that fun is, yeah, it's another level. Now, in addition to coming back and working with the with the maidens, one thing you did help with is is the player handbook, the USFL player handbook, um, and surely a, a lot of that stemmed from your experience in Australia. Talk about that process because you got the opportunity to expel a lot of your knowledge that you picked up uh, being around all these career footballers, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much while I was in Australia just tried to absorb everything, and then that handbook was me putting it out on paper for other people because I, I also knew coming back that my career direction was going to be changing. I knew I was going to be applying to grad school and things. So I knew I wouldn't always be able to physically participate in as much footy as I had in the past. And I wanted it to be available even if I couldn't necessarily like be there to, you know, help with drills or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a combination of, like different coaches and teams I've played for and just like kind of putting it all, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to be a resource to people because I think sometimes you like, I can't think of another drill to do. I can't think of another run to do. Like I, I help with the running program as well um, for the freedom. And I mean, I pretty much just use stuff. In fact, my mates in Australia are still bugging me about the runs like th that they're doing and that I'm doing. And I try and just, I try and just give it to, um, everyone so people don't just do the same thing over and over and get tired of it it's hard to keep motivated especially now when we don't actually have training and people to see it's just a way to keep yourself motivated when when you're not not so much yeah and we're we're all searching for ways to do that considering that you know, our our resources are limited and in terms of what we can do in terms of contact is is pretty limited um now you went to boston to further your education, which what you're doing, and and you took a step back from the USA Freedom as, as part of that, and I think that's uh, admirable because this is something that I think is you know is very sustainable. Um, what I want to know is you're in the Boston area now. What is your footballing future like? I know there's a lot of things up in the air right now because of this pause, but um, w what are your plans as 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 far as you can tell us at the, at the very least? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you said, it's a hard question to answer, but, um, I mean, I had originally planned to, you know, continue playing footy in Boston, 
Um, but I mean, I had just met everyone at the Australia Day event, and then you know this all happened. And you know, winter in Boston, it's not like we people were doing that much training <laughs> before everything. So um, I really don't know that many people on the demons yet. I know a few of the girls, um, but honestly, I. I I don't know, and and because I mean I, this time next year I'll be graduating um, ideally, all going well, and so um, I don't know where I'll stay. It's it's hard because you know I while I've developed my professional connections here in Boston, I I don't really have the same social connections because I mean I've been on lockdown and um, I I go to work, I go to school, or like I take my Zoom classes, and you know that's that. So I don't know. I'll play footy here if. Um, if we get to play the season, if not, I mean, this time next year, it'll be just around the start of footy season, and I may or may not still be here by then, so I just, I really just don't know. I'll show up to trainings if they have it. <laughs> That's <Right>. my answer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a competitor. You'll land, you'll land somewhere, I, I, I know. I have, yeah. I, have no, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, we have time for one last question, and we always like to make it a, f a fun question. You spent all that time in Melbourne, and, of course, I was there for about three weeks, and, I, and I've learned that there's a lot of really great cultural things about it. But I want to know, you've been home now for about uh, a year and a half, what one foodstuff do they have in Melbourne that they don't have here that you miss the most? Food? Oh, I mean, I'll be honest – Aussie food is not that <laughs> that great <laughs> or that different, really. I'm trying to think. Um, I was never a Vegemite fan, so I think it was because someone pranked me and it's like, oh, here, have a spoonful of this. You'll like it. And, um, you know, a spoonful of Vegemite is horrible. So <laughs> I, I've never really recovered from that. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. I don't think I even ate like that differently. I don't, I don't miss Australian food. I'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be very controversial and ask, was the coffee better at least? Cause everybody talks about the coffee. Okay. So I, so I've heard that and, but I don't drink coffee. <laughs> so, um, I never got to experience Melbourne coffee because I don't drink it. So, um, Again, <laughs> food for me was not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there one thing about the city? Because the city is it, it's, it's a magnificent city and an obviously, you know, a great footballing culture. But is there anything about the city itself that, that you miss? Yes. And this is a very practical thing, but I miss public transport. The, the Melbourne, the, the um, uh, now I can't think of the name of it. Um, the, the, the trams. The, Tram, yeah, thank you. The tram and the train, and it was so easy to get around. And I mean, I haven't had a car since I left the states. Like, I I never bought one when I came back, and so I really miss the ease of transportation. San Francisco public transportation is crap, and Boston public transportation is okay, but not fantastic. Um, I really miss Melbourne transportation, which is the weirdest thing to miss, but I do. <laughs> Yeah, and I've been on the Green Line in Boston, and it just it just isn't the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. It works, but, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Katie, thanks so much for relaying your experiences, not only about uh, Australia, but uh, about uh, about your work and, and your recovery. And, and best of luck going forward, and no matter what happens, not only in your football life, but, but your professional life. And uh, may you succeed in all things. And thank you for being with us on the Marks and Stripes USFL podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to take a break and come right back. When we do, we'll be talking with Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles. You're listening to the Marks and Stripes USAFL podcast. Australian rules football in the U.S.? That's right. The United States Australian Football League is in a city near you. Go to USAFL.com. Find your team. Check them out. We're a group full of men and women just like you. Join us for the fun athletic competition. Stay for the camaraderie. Log on and sign up to join your team at USAFL.com. Welcome back to the Marks and Stripes USAFL podcast. Before we get into our conversation with Tori Sanchez, I mentioned a little bit earlier that we would be taking a slight delve into the revamped AFL schedule as was released earlier this week. Now, the AFL is going to be releasing them in phases, and they have released the schedules for rounds two, three, four, and five. 
Now, in case you missed it, uh, the of course the season has been shortened from 22 rounds down to 17, which means that each team will play each of the others once, there being 18 teams. Now, the schedule of play will return on Thursday, June 11th, and the first game will be between Collingwood and Richmond. That is a 5.40 a.m. start on the East Coast, and that game will be played at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Now, the... We'll get into each week's schedule as it comes up, so we'll get into the round two schedule next week a little bit more, uh, or at least just gloss over what it is so you can uh, figure out what games to watch and whatnot. Um, but here, at least for your planning, is the way that the time block schedule will be set up going forward. There will be one game every Thursday at 5.40 a.m. Eastern Time. On Friday morning, there will be one game at 5.50 a.m. Eastern Time. And then Friday night and the Saturday, there will be four matches, 11.45 p.m. Eastern, 2.35 a.m. Eastern, and then two games at 5.40 Eastern Time. That would be 5.40 a.m. And then there are three games on Saturday night into Sunday morning, 11.05 p.m., 1.35 a.m., and 4.05 a.m. That appears to be the uh, rubric that the AFL is going to use at least for the beginning of the season, and of course all of that is still very much up in the air as Australian leagues, uh, of course we saw the National Rugby League uh, come back to play, but, you know, who cares about Rugby League? No, I'm just kidding. Rugby League's a fun sport. It's just not as cool as Aussie rules. Anyway, um, as we mentioned, we'll have more information on uh, where you can watch the game in the U.S. And um, once again, we'll mention the Watch AFL banner at the top if you want to get a subscription and help the U.S. AFL. We'll be having, uh, as we said, we'll be glossing over the viewing guide uh, each week as we wait for the resumption of play here in the USA. All right, that's enough of that. Let's head over the Pacific to Oahu and talk to the man in Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles. When they joined the USAFL at the beginning of last year, the Hawaii Eagles became the first league club to be based outside the continental U.S. From a couple of players organized by team founder Dallas McCullough, the Eagles have blossomed into a team two dozen-plus strong. Their first ever game against the Seattle Grizzlies on September 7, 2019 was the first Australian football game in Hawaii since Geelong and Melbourne played at Hickam Air Force Base following the 1963 VFL season. The Eagles were one of the few clubs that were able to get a game in before the COVID stoppage, and a match against visiting Calgary Kangaroos resulted in a loss, but a very competitive result. One of the players who played in both games for the Eagles so far is a native Hawaiian, Tori Sanchez, and he's here to talk about his team's progress over the last year. Tori, thanks for joining us on the Marks and Stripes podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, how's it, Brian? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, mate. I, I imagine it's a little bit more sunnier there in Hawaii than it is on the east coast of the mainland right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Looking out my window right now, it's gorgeous out there. Not a speck of cloud in the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that as well, because I know you guys are dealing with the COVID situation. We'll get into that a little bit later, but, we'll, but let's start at the very beginning, as we usually do. Um, and, and how did you get involved in Australian rules football and the Hawaiian Eagles? Uh, so like you said, co-founder Dallas, um, he's also a promoter, and uh, he would throw a bunch of shows all the time at the, uh, the bar I worked at. And pretty much every show he'd go to, he'd always kind of corner me at the bar and say, hey, bud, you should come have a kick. And at first, you know, I was kind of apprehensive. And then finally, I think it was like the third or fourth time he asked me. I finally caved in. I think I met up with him that following Wednesday, uh, practicing handballs and kicking around in Kapilani uh, Park, which is right off of Waikiki. And from there, I was hooked. And the rest is history. Oh, as they say. Yeah. What what exactly drew you in? Was it anything about the skills? Was it uh, the camaraderie? Was it both? What about it was like I I have to play this game and I have to stick with this. Um, it was just something new. Uh, me growing up, I was never really a sports guy. I wasn't athletic at all. Um, I wrestled pretty much from middle school. That was pretty much the only competitive sport I did. And I guess I was missing that that competition. And, you know, finally being 
I wouldn't say good, but you know, halfway decent at something or better than most people I know at something finally uh, really, really uh, woke something up in me. Now, you know, yeah. you mentioned that you have a, uh, your, your sporting background was wrestling, but was there anything about, you know, once you got in there and started playing uh, that kind of clicked and said, okay, I, I, I picked this part up really easily. Cause I know there's a lot of different aspects to the game. Was there anything that you picked up almost naturally? Um, handballing for me was the easiest thing to pick up. Um, other than that, I'm not, I, it just, it was, it kind of like woke something competitive inside of me. I was, I've never been competitive in my life, but, um, getting on the field and, you know, just banging it out with nine other guys, phrasing, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it just, the competition really drew me in. Now, what's interesting, you you mentioned the competition, and it, it, it's difficult for teams to get the, to Hawaii. It is a, a little bit of a road trip, but you guys have been playing uh, Metro games, and I want to talk about that and also about your trainings because it looks like, you know, most people, they get together for a couple hours, they have a kick, and that's it. I notice on your social media, at Hawaii Eagles, by the way, um, that you guys always take a picture after each training or after each metro and Dallas and invariably somebody else is doing the poses where they're, where they're clasping hands. Is it, uh, it seems like it's just a happening and not just a regular, well, we're just going through some skills. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we take those pictures to kind of make everyone feel involved. Doesn't matter if you've been there from the beginning or this is your first time touching a footy. Uh, we want to help you feel, like you're a part of our, our club, which you are. And uh, it's, it's uh, just something to get our name out there, you know, let people know, hey, we're still doing this, we're still around. If you're not doing anything Wednesdays, come have a kick. See if you like it or not. Now, I know that different clubs have metro programs, and the teams on the mainland, it's a little bit different just simply because, uh, like, like you guys do, you, there's two teams, but in places like Golden Gate, uh, where there's a five-team Metro League, and in Southern California, where there's a five-team Metro League, what are your Metro games like? I know they they got they got to be con- competitive, but um, you know it's also like inter-squad. At the very least, you guys are practicing your skills. Oh yeah. Um, so with our Metro matches, we make it a point to let everyone know we're not out there trying to kill each other. We're here to put into a put into motion what we learned in practice, and. Uh, uh, you know, just have fun. We're going to play some footy. We're going to hang out with some good friends. And it doesn't matter what the scoreline is. If you, you're you able to catch a mark or uh, catch a handball in traffic, you know, that's, that's what matters in our Metro matches. What's the makeup of the team like there? Um, I know that there are some Aussies uh, on the team, and I know that there are, are, are Americans. I mentioned Dallas, but uh, he's he's not a local like you are. He's not a, a native Hawaiian. What's what's the team uh, makeup like? Um, right now we got uh, we got a few Aussies, like you said. Um, there's a lot of college students. Um, I'd say a majority of the club are guys like me that Dallas recruited from the bars and pubs around here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a real, it's a real modge podge of uh, people we got here. And, and what kind of recruiting you did? Because you mentioned what Dallas does and Dallas uh, mentioned, I had done an article when they came into the league last year about how, uh, uh, how he goes out and like you said, does the bars and, and the concert venues and, pretty much is like, hey, you would really enjoy the sport. Uh, but do you guys organize anything? Do you, how, did, how do you guys get the word out about the, cl- about the club and the sport? Um, right now, it's pretty much like a friend of a friend of a friend. Um, I know Dallas uh, set the, uh, the club up as the, um, I guess, the university club at uh, the University of Hawaii. So we're able to post up flyers on campus where we have um, surprisingly a big Aussie community. And, um, you know, just trying to get those D1 athletes, you know, they might be out of season or or they just want something to do uh, while they're uh, taking a break. Um, other than that, yeah, like I said, it's a friend of a friend of a friend. 
we'll we'll talk about the games in a moment that you guys have played. But in the lead up to that, I know during the AFL season last year and during the AFLW season this year, uh, you guys had watch parties, and um, I know that. Uh, it's it's very much a, a good social thing because you can kind of share this experience of watching the game. But I'm interested to get your take having, you know, not really grown up with the sport, but now you're watching this. What what are your impressions of watching the game at the professional level and also being, being able to watch it with your teammates and sort of cheer and critique and all that other stuff? Oh, it's great. I mean, I, I can't get enough footy. Um, I got a watch AFL subscription halfway through the uh, the season last year, and I watched pretty much every single game. Um, it's just it, it's interesting seeing how what we're learning in our practices are being applied on the professional level, and kind of seeing how these guys move, how these guys think. Um, it's not just about on ball movement, you know, watching the guys off ball, seeing how they're creating space. And um, when you're watching with a group, it's even better because uh, you can kind of They'll catch what you don't catch, or um, they'll reaffirm what you saw. And uh, just being with tough footy with people, it's a it's a good way to expand your game and kind of open up how you think about the game. Yeah, especially if you if you ever get the chance to see it live, I highly recommend it because you'll you, you'll see how your players. Uh, position when you're the position that you play how they how they go after the ball how they are when uh when they when they don't have the ball how they're positioned which is which is fantastic now um you as we mentioned uh you guys did play two games so far you played one last year and you played one this year before the pause we'll start with the one last year against seattle the grizzlies came out and uh you guys ended up, ended up playing a co-ed game and after playing for a couple of months against each of the different metro configurations that you had. Now you're playing a team of uh, complete visitors, complete strangers. What was that experience like, and what did you take away from it? Well, I have to say Seattle absolutely spanked us. Um, Big shout out to those guys for coming down. You know, it was a great experience. Um, It was good seeing seeing how a a club who's established, seeing how they, they set up everything and how they handle things. And it was good for us seeing how we'll do as a full side, or an almost full side, I should say. And, you know, just kind of figuring out who goes where, who does well where. And, um, you know, finally getting to lay down some big hits and try not to uh, try not to hurt anyone. Hmm. It's always important when no one gets hurt. Now, the interesting thing about that game is uh, the, the Eagles had the help – uh, from kind of an unexpected source, uh, AFL player, uh, Hawthorne Hawk player, Sam Mitchell rocked up. He was looking apparently for uh, Diamond Head and found y'all. Um, now, I know you're relatively new to the sport. Did you realize what was happening and, and what was it like playing with? It, it's sort of like, think about you guys playing in the park, just sort of a pickup game and uh, of gridiron football, and then Peyton Manning shows up and goes, hey, I'll right, be on right, your team. Right. <laughs> what was that like? No, so it's weird. I was, um, I was hanging on the Ford pocket, and um, one of the Seattle backs uh, kind of casually mentions to me, goes, hey, you guys got um, Sam Mitchell on your side. And at the time, I didn't know who he was. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And after the game, you know, I kind of got the lowdown. And as soon as I heard that, you know, I went home and checked out some highlights. Like, yeah, this is we, – we had a legend on our side. It was great. <laughs> and as a Hawks fan, I'm, I'm a little jealous. So, uh... <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, he was, he was amazing. You know, he, uh, he wasn't as – you know, still looked in shape, you know, not as, not as good as his prime years, but – you know, he, he could still he could still boot it, man. <laughs> now, one question I did forget to ask you: mentioned that you had gotten into the AFL. Uh, who do you support in the in in the Australian Football League? Oh, I'm a West Coast Eagles supporter all the way. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what we call Stockholm syndrome. It's how how I became a Hawks fan. It's <laughs> exactly what happened. You know, I I was trying to figure out who to uh, barrack for for the longest time, and I finally said, you know what? If they're our parent club. Uh, they're the reigning premiers. Why not? Why not hop on the bandwagon when it gets good? <laughs> I love it. Now we mentioned the Seattle match uh, earlier this year in February before uh, 
the season got paused and everything kind of got rolled back because of the COVID situation. You guys did get the opportunity to play against Calgary. And uh, again, a situation where you guys lost, I think, a little bit outmatched. But um, did you notice any improvement? Did you notice any difference in the side in this in this particular matchup? Oh, yeah, for sure. We are much more competitive in the uh, the game against Calgary. And again, you know, shout out to those guys for coming down and uh, having a game with us. It was it was great. You know, it felt like everything came together. Everything was coming together really well. You know, we had good ball movement, good off-ball movement, uh, really good communication. And, you know, it was that game where it felt like everything's finally paying off. Everything's starting to click. Now, I know that... Uh... There's no real motivation for you for anybody to go over there. Uh, any any extra motivation to go over there and play, but because um, it's Hawaii, and who who wouldn't want to go and play footy in Hawaii? But what's the best part of being a part of a team in your home state there? Uh, to be able to be in something, you know, not from ground level, but pretty much first floor. You know, it's great. We you know we have a a really big college community here, a really big Polynesian community here as well. And, you know, a lot, a lot of those uh, those South Polynesian guys are written through rugby. And we actually have a really big rugby league down here. So if we could get uh, some of those guys to hop on over, you know, get us a full side. Uh, and we could spread the uh, sport of footy around the state. That'd be, that'd be really great. It'd be a lot of fun. I seem to remember uh, that there was a pretty big rugby league community in addition to rugby union as well. And, uh, there was a, a bit of a crossover with that because Australians uh, are pretty uh, known for their rugby league pr- uh, prowess. And the other side of that is I know that, that there's a lot of uh, folks in college, and again, not just American athletes, but there are a fair bit of Australians as well uh, who would who would be interested, I'm sure, in being able to play while they were over there. Uh, surely that's an opportunity for you guys to take advantage of. Oh, yeah. Um, we've, had a, we've had a bunch of... Uh... Australian basketballers come over and uh, jump in our practices and, you know, seeing guys who've been kicking since they could stand up, you know, uh, trying to learn as much as we can from them and while stopping fun, you know, that's, that's something invaluable. That's the most important part. <laughs> um, now we mentioned obviously with the season being, being paused, what are you and the rest of the Eagle side doing during this to stay focused uh, ahead of a resumption in 2020? I know you guys were considering uh, coming to, or at least some of the team was coming to nationals uh, this year uh, in Ontario, California. Uh, what does the rest of the season looks like? And what are you, what are you guys been doing so far to, to kind of keep focused? So right now, as of uh, our practices, uh, we've been doing uh, weekly Zoom meetings where we'll um, we'll break down some some game footage. Um, they're usually uh, ASL highlights, you know, just kind of uh, breaking down uh, what we see on film and then how we can apply that to our game. And uh, as for the rest of the season, you know, we're just kind of playing it by ear. Whenever the uh, the governor lets us know parks are open again, you know. We'll get in a few practices, get a few Metro matches, and hopefully we can uh, have some guys come up there to California. And hopefully we'll get a chance hopefully. to see you there, um, assuming that uh, assuming that resume and we're able to play there in October in Ontario. Before we go, I want to ask you this. It's not every day that, that you, you talk to somebody who's born and raised in Hawaii and still lives there, and I'm interested. Uh, you know, we've been talking to some folks that over the last couple of weeks about their hometown, where they grow up, and that sort of thing. Uh, you are from a place in, on the island of, of Oahu there. Uh, Mililani. So what? tell me about uh, growing up in Hawaii and, and what's it like living there and—, and uh, now you you've moved to Honolulu. Just just talk about that a little bit. Uh, so yeah, where well, I grew up was uh, pretty much a suburb. You know, it was really good. Um, growing up, it was pretty much beach every weekend, playing outside with your friends till the street lights come on. Um, you know, we're really family oriented down here. So I grew up with uh, a really big family. You know, pretty much a family party every weekend. And you know, it's it's just, it's a, uh, it's a good life. I can't complain. You know, I don't really have a, uh, 
something to compare it to since I've been here my whole life. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have chosen anywhere else to grow up, man. Now, here's a, I like asking fun questions, and I, and I like this. I know um, uh, if you got the opportunity uh, to choose uh, a road trip to go play footy uh, anywhere in the U.S., uh, or I guess in Australia, too, as well, uh, where would you choose to go play? Uh, for the U.S., I'd love to do a, a West Coast road trip tour, just kind of play against all those sides there, you know, uh, Golden Gate, uh, uh, the, Seattle, the Seattle again, Portland, LA, uh, just to see how we do against you know those big clubs up there. And uh, as for Australia, I'd love to go to Perth and catch uh, an Eagles game at Optus Stadium. That's on my bucket list, man. There you go. It's a beautiful there, stadium yeah. out there too. A beautiful brand new stadium, and I know there's a lot of people that would that would join you in that, especially since I would too. The Dockers are my second team, but. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Tori Sanchez, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the Hawaii Eagles. Best of luck to you, the rest of the team, as we uh, await the resumption of the 2020 season. Right on. Thanks for having me, Brian. Malamu Fono. And to you as well. I think it's uh, slightly obvious that I might need to brush up on my Hawaiian between now and the next time I call a Hawaii Eagles match. (laughs) A little rusty on that one, but that's okay. Just a reminder that if you want to follow along with all the things going on in the United States Australian Football League, you can follow us on our website, usafl.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at usafl1997. To find a club near you, you can do so on the aforementioned website, usafl.com slash club list. We have 46 teams from Maine to Hawaii. As you just heard, they're all over the place. And if there's not a team near you, you can find out how to start start one just on our website. There's a link there that gives you all of that information. And of course, we'll have more information on our return to play, as we mentioned before, the webinar that's coming up on Tuesday, June 2nd, as well as the impending restart of the AFL season and updates from around the USAFL. Our thanks to Katie Klatt of the USA Freedom and all of those other teams, to Tori Sanchez of the Hawaii Eagles, and to you for joining us and keeping us company for the last 52 minutes. We'll be back with a new fresh episode next week. Until then, this is Brian Barris saying be safe, be healthy, and I'll talk at you next time.